0: What's the Bible all about well if this isn't your first episode of the great stories podcast you already know my answer Jesus hi I'm Charles Morris and welcome to another episode of great stories with Charles Morris today we're visiting a topic I care deeply about how to read the Bible through the Jesus lens That's the title of a book by a friend of mine, Dr. Michael Williams, and that's exactly who you'll be hearing from in just a minute. We'll talk about how Scripture comes into focus when we realize that every book in the Bible has an identifiable theme ultimately fulfilled in the person and work of Jesus Christ. So, join me now, listen up. Welcome to Haven Today, and we're coming from the Midwest, and uh, I'm sitting in the office at a, of a seminary professor, and I want to welcome to this program for the very first time my brother in Christ, Dr. Michael Williams. Thanks, Charles. Good to be here. Michael, you are uh, an Old Testament scholar. You speak more ancient Near East and even modern uh Uh, Middle East languages than I could ever even begin to try to say hello in. So with that in mind, uh, I wanted to have you on because I was intrigued. You're an Old Testament scholar. You're a Bible translator. You're on the Committee on Bible Translation. But let me just ask you first as a fellow brother in Christ, how did you even get to know Jesus? Are you going to give me one of these, I was born into the Christian home stories? No, not
1: at all. I, I have a pretty unusual story, I think. And the short answer to your question is completely by God's transforming power that I'm here. I, I started out in an unbelieving family, uh, five children, two blue-collar parents, difficult situation. The family wasn't uh, settled or cohesive. My parents uh, had difficulty and eventually got divorced. I had an older sister who eloped. So things were pretty rocky. I didn't have any kind of theological background. Uh, If anything, we were nominally Catholic, but we just went to church on Christmas and Easter to make our consciences
0: satisfied, and that was about (laughs) it. Sounds like Protestants to me, too. A lot of Protestants <laughs> I've met along the way. Well, uh, and, 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 and I guess on the educational side, because we'll get to that a little later, right. why we're having you on, but uh, uh, you, uh, nobody had ever had any higher education in your home no, growing no, up.
1: No, no, uh, no. Getting through high school was about the, the end of the process for our family. I didn't know anybody in my mm-hmm. immediate or extended mm-hmm. family who'd gone on to college. So even that prospect was, was pretty much out of the question. I didn't even know how you would go about doing that.
0: Uh, so, so dysfunctional family, uh, sounds like something you'd read in Genesis. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, That's right, they uh, fit right in. And yeah. you wanted to get away from home. Right. So as soon as the opportunity presented itself,
1: uh, which was in high school in my senior year, when I saw uh, the end was coming, and I didn't really have any marketable skills, and nobody was knocking down my door offering mm, scholarships. This was or Tampa, anything.
0: Florida. Tampa, Florida. I'm, right. I'm saying this for our listeners on the Gulf Coast of uh, Florida. Yes.
1: Right. A great place, but uh, I, I needed to do something for a living, and I didn't really have any uh, marketable skills. So. I went down to the recruiter's office while I was still a senior in high school and did this pre-enlistment for And the did Navy. he
0: have a plan for your life, right? <laughs> as long a as it was a regular plan.
1: paycheck, that was the plan I
0: was looking for, yeah. So. All right. Yeah. You found uh-huh. yourself in a remarkable spot.
1: Right. I qualified uh, sufficiently uh, well on the test to be assigned to a nuclear craft. There are only two options you can go an aircraft carrier or on a submarine if Mm -hmm. you're qualifying for nuclear Mm -hmm. power and uh, the aircraft carrier wasn't uh, too attractive because it's so big and you can meet different people every day and so the the submarine sounded like a a smaller um, more interesting community about 150 people Mm. and of those two kinds of submarines uh, or of those submarines there were two kinds there was a shorter kind um, the fast attack, the smaller ones that go mm-hmm. on the little spy missions everywhere and make exotic port calls. We don't know where they are. Yes, That's right. And then there was the kind I was on, which are the ballistic missile submarines that go out for long periods of time, uh, three months at a time. And they have one purpose in mm-hmm. life, and that's to be an undetected deterrent to any nation that would consider attacking the United States. So the theory goes... Just knowing there are these underwater mobile missile platforms Mm -hmm. with their missiles Mm -hmm. aimed at you should hopefully give you second thought. But in order to accomplish that, then they can never surface because... So for
0: how long a period of time would you be underwater?
1: Uh, They would alternate possession of these submarines between two entire crews. And each crew would have the submarine for three months. And of Mm -hmm. those three months, we'd work on systems in port that we just had to be surfaced to work on for about two weeks. Okay. And the other time... 10 weeks, 70 days, we would be submerged without surfacing a single time.
0: Sounds like a lonely job.
1: It is a lonely job, and it forces you to think about things when you're separated from all the distractions and meaningless stuff that surrounds our lives every day. You get to think about what's really important. Mm. I realized the possibility existed, uh, even if it were remote, that I could die down here.
0: Mm.
1: And I thought, you know, if, if I were to die, down here, what difference would my life have really made? Hmm. Um, if I had never been born, would that have really made a difference?
0: And we're talking now—you're nineteen, twenty years old.
1: Yeah, after all the training, it was probably twenty-one, twenty-two. Okay. it's four uh-huh. years of well, two years of training and then two years on a staff position, and so probably about twenty-one, twenty-two. So anyway, I was thinking. I have no real reason hmm. that I can give myself for why I'm living hmm. my life or why I'm living at all. W- what am I doing with these days that I have? If, if this isn't all there is to life and I didn't think it was, it struck me as really stupid all of a sudden that I didn't know anything about anything else. So where would I go to find answers? And, mm-hmm. and the only place I could think of was the Bible. I hadn't read the Bible before. But providentially right then one of my crewmates made an announcement in in uh, the auxiliary machinery space he said I have this little new testament that some people gave me before we came on patrol and if anyone Mm -hmm. wants it you can have it because I don't want it and it didn't cost me anything and that's exactly what I wanted right then so I took that little new testament and read through it and here was the meaning and purpose and direction and security and significance that I was looking for in life. It was all right here laid out. It talked about this new kingdom that God had uh, made available, this new life in Jesus Christ and the the great extent he'd gone to to make that available Mm -hmm. to me, Mm -hmm. to to present that to me. And it was there for the asking. And uh, my goodness, why didn't anyone tell me about this before? You know, I didn't know the four spiritual laws. I didn't know the EE questions. The Romans,
0: Roman roads the Roman, to salvation. The bridge illustrations, nothing. Sure, I, sure.
1: Because I had no theological background at all, but
0: I read and, passages. And you had no one telling you. No. You just had the word of God, and the Gideons would love to hear this story. It was how our ministry was started about They've 80 years many, ago. they heard many, many times, yeah. Yes. Uh, uh,
1: and so, you know, I got to passages like Romans chapter 10, verses 9 and 10. If you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead you will be saved for it is with your heart that you believe and are justified and it mm. is with your mouth that you confess and are saved yes Lord this is what I want yeah this is exactly it um, I don't know how to ask you for this uh, I'm asking as I know how uh, this is what I want to guide me into this new life uh, this is where the meaning is I I see that you have a purpose. You're calling me to participate in your grand redemptive work as your ambassador. This is all fantastic, but where do I go from here? Hmm. Um, So I started talking to to some of my crewmates about this and discovered
0: that my division officer was a Christian. No, no, but before we get there, since you're talking to them and telling them you've discovered, (laughs) because you're sensing (laughs) there is something new about you and in you, how are they responding to your explaining this and sharing this with them
1: well you can kind of imagine how on a uh, ship navy sailors would respond to somebody (laughs) telling them the gospel uh you know i'm glad that's that's working for you i don't really need it uh, that kind of response and i try to convince them yeah we all need this but uh, they hadn't arrived at that point in their lives but the guy above you was a believer yeah providentially placed there um By God to guide me in these first steps in my Christian life. And he got Mm -hmm. me involved in a Bible study with the navigators, Mm -hmm. Um, scripture memory, uh, introduced me to evangelism and uh, brought me into a church. Had Bible study back in port with his family and other believers. Uh, It was a great experience. Started. becoming more aware of of the Bible and Mm -hmm. wanted to
0: pursue this further. And at this point, you'd never even probably seen a Hebrew alphabet, much less imagine that you would be reading Semitic languages and teaching Hebrew yourself someday. Right,
1: I hadn't told you this earlier, Charles, but my first foray into a Christian bookstore in my life, Mm -hmm. um, a whole new experience. I walk Mm -hmm. into this strange shop, and I was struck, after having read the Bible, that about 90% of the Christian books in there were about the New Testament or Christian living, right? and maybe 10% was Old Testament. Mm-hmm. And that's on a shelf in the back of the store. Sure,
0: a lot of dust. Yeah.
1: I thought, <laughs> now when I read the Bible, about two-thirds of it was Old Testament. So mm-hmm. how come such little space is devoted to studies of the Old Testament or its implications for our lives in the Christian bookstore. So I saw right away that there was a huge imbalance here. I didn't know why that was.
0: It's all God's word. It all applies to our lives. And the word count, of course. There's more in the Hebrew Bible Old Testament than there is in the New Testament. Oh, by far, yeah. So there's got to be some... there for us if it is part of God's word and canon of scripture. I had read
1: in the New Testament that all scripture is God-breathed and useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting. Well, if it's useful, then where is it? How come nobody's Mm. writing about it? And I was fortunate enough to be on the old GI Bill, uh, which paid for four years of college, which was a wonderful prospect for me, and no one in my family having gone to college. And so when the end of my enlistment came up, everything kind of converged. I had this opportunity to go to college. I wanted to know more about this God who saved me and, and study in a more formal setting. So I decided to take the Navy up on their offer and and go to a Bible college to study. Mm. Now, in the Navy, especially on a submarine, everybody's dependent on everybody else for our lives. So I was used to people pulling their load and taking their responsibilities seriously. And, and helping I, each other. And helping each other. Their, their lives were joined together in a very real way, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I thought would reflect the situation uh, at a Bible college. Good Christian
0: kids going to school, <laughs> whose right?
1: lives are all joined together in the common cause of the kingdom. Why wouldn't it be exactly even better? I, I so I was expecting wonderful things. Uh, all right, now now I gotta
0: tell our <laughs> listeners I'm reading your face here. And that's not necessarily how it always turned out. Am I right? In that's asking that's you that? right.
1: I I went into the the dorms, which was like the barracks for me. I just sure. another duty assignment, and I uh, was a little discouraged by some of the. The inconsiderations I I saw and experienced there. Um, And it all came to a head one day for me uh, in the cafeteria of all places, You're probably familiar with cafeterias where you slide your tray along the stainless too, steel too, counter. Too much, too much, yes.
0: <laughs> and the food not being the greatest.
1: And and there are procedures or protocols that you're supposed to follow in, in cafeteria lines. You you slide your tray along. When you come to the glasses, you know, they've got those big square plastic trays that hold mm-hmm. the glasses. Mm-hmm. And you take the glass and put it on your tray. And if you've taken the last glass out of that large plastic tray you take the empty tray and set it on the the ground and the next tray springs up it's spring loaded and this is just an expected thing to do this is navy 101 oh yeah of course this would, you would be beaten up if you didn't do this <laughs> in the na- so i'm i'm behind uh, another classmate uh, one day in the cafeteria and he's sliding his tray along and he comes to the glasses and i see and he sees that there is one glass left in the tray mm. And he turns around and he looks at me right in the eyes. He takes the last glass off and then just keeps on going. He doesn't take the empty tray off, just this little act of courtesy to make the next tray come up. He saw that I was there, but yet he didn't have enough respect or decency or courtesy mm-hmm. or, or mm-hmm. Christian brotherly sensibility to to do that little thing for me. And that almost sent me back into the Navy. Because you're, you're, you're
0: thinking this is not how a Christian acts. Right. right.
1: So, yeah, I was devastated when this guy did this, and I thought about it and was mulling it over that day and was very close to going back in the Navy. I could serve God in the Navy sure. and, and give witness to the guys on the submarine. And So I was talking about it with some of my friends back in the dorm in the evening and grousing about my mm. disappointments with my Christian brothers. Um, mm. And there was a missionary kid, uh, and... He would never take credit for this. Uh, he, he wasn't uh, the kind of guy that gave profound statements. But he threw a, a castaway line over in my direction, uh, just something he said in it. Uh, again, something casual, but this time positive, that really affected my life. Because he reminded me, he said, Well, yeah, you know, these people around you, and probably me too, uh, we're, we're going to disappoint you. But remember, the motivating force in your life is not the people around you but Christ in you. Mm. And that was like a slap in the face that, mm. yes, you're exactly right. How could I have lost focus like that? It's all about Christ. It's Yes, if other people around me are, are being nice and encouraging, that's gravy. That's icing on the cake. That's mm-hmm. But that's not promised anywhere. Right. The only thing that I can take absolute confidence in is that God's going to be there for me and never fail me. And yeah, why, you know, I had lost my focus. And so it reminded me once again, and again has stayed with me, that it's about my relationship with God through Jesus Christ. Uh, that's what
0: makes a difference. Mm. And what you're really talking about is grace. Mm-hmm. Grace that only comes from him. It is a gift, and and it's something we tend to forget about every day. Whether you're a seminary professor, a Bible translator like you are, or uh, work for a, a, a Christian ministry like I do, and, and we have a radio program and other things. And sometimes I notice, Michael, I'm in such a hurry, yeah. sometimes in the business of ministry, yeah. that I forget to exercise the grace that's been imparted to me and right. uh, to brothers and sisters, but also to those who don't know Christ. We We might as well bring this up now. I'm looking at something that's entitled how to read the bible through the jesus lens uh, a guide to christ focused reading of scripture and there at the bottom it says michael williams that that's you (laughs) it is did you believe that that's that's crazy All all right it's a theme we talk about all the time this program is all about jesus and i just had to have our listeners hear how you from the blue collar nobody ever went to college but God just dropped into that, that, that nuclear sub in the bottom of the sea somewhere and yet warmed your heart, just like Jesus yep. had that effect on those two uh, disciples on the road to Emmaus in Luke 24. Right. But as an Old Testament scholar, you've actually gone through and looked for a, a lens, a Jesus lens, in all 66 books of the Bible. Have you found him? In all 66 books. I did, and
1: I didn't have to look very hard. And that's not surprising. I mean, Jesus himself says that these are the very scriptures that testify about him. So wouldn't it be worth our while to go through these scriptures and see how they do, in fact, testify about him? So in the passage you were just talking about, uh, where Jesus speaks to the disciples on the road to Emmaus, it says, uh, you know, after they didn't recognize him and uh, they talked to him about how their hearts were stirred within them. And he explained to them that he had to suffer these things. And then it says, beginning with Moses and all the prophets, mm-hmm. he explained to them how all the scriptures talked about him. So Moses, the prophets, all the scriptures. And he's talking Old Testament at that point. That's
0: right. And, that, and, and give me the Hebrew. What, what's the Hebrew names for those, just so some of our listeners. Oh,
1: it's the law, the Torah, the prophets, the Nevi'im, And the writings, the Ketuvim, so you take the T, the N, and the K, and you get Tanakh, which is the Jewish term for the Bible, the Old Testament. That's what Jesus
0: learned as a small boy, yes. Right. Wow. And let's go somewhere. Uh, Let's just go somewhere in the Old Testament. All right. Uh, uh, Now, I've read your book, and what I've really appreciated is how, in about four pages you cover each of 66 books. That's not four for all 66. That's four for each of 66. But but just, just pick a... I can give you one, or you pick one. I was reading Joel last night before mm. we got together. Uh, how do you find Jesus in a minor prophet like Joel? Yeah, uh,
1: well... One of the first things I do, and I'm glad you mentioned the four pages for each biblical book, because what I really tried to do here is make this a non-scholarly book so Mm -hmm, that mm -hmm. it's accessible to everyone, and certainly everyone has time. We're all busy, and we, we lead busy lives. We work hard jobs. When we come home in the evening, we don't have time to sit down and read a commentary, but we can read four pages. And in four pages, I tell you what the theme of the book is, how that theme ultimately finds its mm-hmm. focus in Jesus mm-hmm. Christ, and then what it means for contemporary believers, how it should have some manifestation in our lives as mm-hmm. those being conformed to the likeness of Christ. So in Joel, the theme there is all about the coming day of the Lord. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. and Which some is of the... certainly picked up in the New Testament repeatedly. Yes. It is.
1: and the trouble was uh, many people in Joel's day thought the day of the Lord was going to be a day when they would finally be vindicated. All the enemies of the Lord would be judged. And Joel fills them in that, you know, you may be included in that number as well. Maybe it's not <laughs> something that you want to root for so strongly. And and so you have this this impending judgment. Um, also, as all the minor prophets do, uh, they talk about this salvation or this restoration after the judgment. And this puts us in this theological conflict of judgment and blessing mm-hmm. on mm-hmm. the day of the lord mm-hmm. uh, coming together
0: and how and, it applies to israel then but how it applies in the future as we read the new testament correct all,
1: all of this has historical reference to an actual people in time and space but it means so much more than that it, right. it points toward an ultimate fulfillment That we see in Jesus Christ, who bore God's punishment on the day of the Lord, God's wrath against human sin, in order to make that blessing that was promised possible. And so in Christ, we have the payment made for all of our sins if we unite with Him by faith. And we can experience even now the blessings of the day of the Lord that are possible through Christ, this new life of fullness and richness and meaning and purpose wonderful human experience that he wants for all those who come to him Mm. so you can read a book like Joel and and have your understanding of what Christ has done fleshed out and that energizes our life today and and enables us to begin appropriating the
0: blessings that are on the other side of Mm. that judgment wow one of my favorite books one of the shortest books four chapters I guess Mm -hmm. Ruth that little biblical word that I'll ask you to define for us hesed Tell us about Ruth. How does Jesus show up in the the little book of Ruth? Okay. Well, well, first we'll deal with that wonderfully rich
1: Hebrew word because that kind of describes what's going on in Ruth. That word, Chesed. You got to really know. grind out that. Chet there. I, I, yeah, I
0: got to throw my tongue and go guttural and. That's write. right,
1: and you can't be looking directly at someone when you say that. Yeah. Chesed, Chesed, is one word in Hebrew, but it requires kind of an explanation to translate correctly, and it gives Mm -hmm. translators fits. Mm -hmm. Because it's really describing behavior that's appropriate to the relationship you're in. And when it's talking about the divine human relationship, the covenant that God has entered into with believers through Jesus Christ, God always acts appropriately to that relationship. Mm -hmm. He's covenantly faithful, Uh, that's chesed. And we, in return, uh, tried, although we fail, but thankfully our representative Jesus doesn't, um, to live as the human side of that relationship and covenant faithfulness to God. Mm -hmm. Um, But it doesn't have to be the divine human relationship. When Joseph is in prison and he interprets the cupbearer's dream, he says to the cupbearer, when you're restored to your position, deal chesed with me. Hmm means now we've entered into a relationship of obligation and and we would say in contemporary English, you owe me one. Mm. Based on this relationship, you have a responsibility now. But in the divine human relationship, uh, God is always faithful uh, to the expectations of this relationship. And Christ, our representative, is always faithful, so the relationship is secure and Mm. by the Spirit's Mm. transforming power, we become more and more faithful. But we see that relationship worked out on the the historical stage in in Ruth yes the the theme of the book of Ruth I have is that God uses Ruth and Boaz to restore Naomi's emptiness to a situation of fullness.
0: And you just Ruth is a widow, young mm-hmm. widow and she's a Moabitess. right and uh, thank goodness that doesn't have a guttural sound in it if i try to say <laughs> that but the family originally your h- late husband her mother-in-law right the late father-in-law mm-hmm. are all from bethlehem
1: the book is named ruth but the key player the central figure is naomi
0: mm-hmm.
1: because we we learn about naomi right at the beginning she's got a full life and she's emptied uh, her the, husband the, dies the, the
0: mother-in-law and the, there's a there's a there's a drought in Bethlehem, they go over to Moab across the mountains, and, and, but, it's, but it's pagan territory. That's
1: right, and her husband dies, and in that culture, the husband was your caregiver, your mm-hmm. provider, so she's there in a foreign country without a husband, so you naturally fall back in that culture to your sons, okay. and her two sons both die. And then her one daughter-in-law leaves her, and so all of that is left to Naomi, is one daughter-in-law, Ruth, mm-hmm. and Naomi. So Naomi and Ruth are alone, two women, in a patriarchal culture, away from their homeland, with no means of support. She's about as empty as you can get. So we start out with Naomi totally emptied. In fact, that's said explicitly in the book. Mm. So Naomi comes back to the promised land.
0: 50 miles, 60 miles across the mountains, across the Transjordan, Jordan River... Ends up at Bethlehem, right? A few miles south of Jerusalem.
1: And Naomi herself says, "I went away full, and I've come back empty." Mm. And there's no hope here except for this one person that God brings into their lives, this Boaz, this family guardian, family redeemer, kinsman redeemer. It's variously translated. Try
0: another Hebrew sure. word. Sure. A goel. Yeah. All right. Right. Okay.
1: All right. Right. Somebody who has the responsibility for seeing to the needs of the extended family, mm. and providentially, Ruth is directed toward the field of this Boaz. And uh, Boaz subsequently provides for Ruth and even goes beyond providing for Ruth and Naomi, but marries uh, Ruth. And
0: it's a precious story. It's a love story. Yeah, It is.
1: And so not only is Naomi now provided with another uh, son-in-law, um, but she's provided food by, uh, through this person. And also, uh, Ruth and Boaz have a son who becomes the ancestor of the Goel of all human beings. the Redeemer. Kissment. Jesus Christ, right.
0: Yeah, in fact, yeah, you've got that, That uh, even the genealogy at the very at the end, end of Ruth.
1: Which links us up right away. Look at how God has provided someone to take Naomi from emptiness to fullness by providing her with food and a son. And we human beings, we see this fulfillment in Jesus Christ, are empty, we're given the bread of life through the Son of God, and we're taken through Jesus Christ, through this one who has become related to us, who's not ashamed to call us brothers and sisters, has God become flesh, a human being, to become our kinsman redeemer, mm-hmm. to take us from emptiness to fullness.
0: So this... uh, uh, All right, let me suck it up yeah. and try one more time here. All right. So we've got the story. We're hearing about kinsman redeemer, Boaz, He's a type of Christ. Certainly, Leads us to Jesus right. on the New Testament side. All right, here I go. I'll try it. Here, I'll I'll try my best guttural sound here. So Let we're Back go. to Hesed.
1: That's right. And yeah. I
0: hope our engineer can deal with my splattering all over the <laughs> microphone. All right. So back to Hesed. Yeah. Then. How does that figure in here?
1: Well, God has made a a promise to His people that by entering into covenant with them, that He would be this faithful covenant partner. Uh, in the Old Testament, we see that the covenant partner, the human being side of the relationship, always fails.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Now, we would think that God would throw up his hands and say, be all done. right, that's, that's it. Us. Yeah. Um, we see this acted out again in another Old Testament book with Hosea mm-hmm. and Gomer. Mm-hmm. Um where a faithful God contends with His unfaithful people, and He uses Gomer to picture that uh, Hosea's unfaithful wife, mm-hmm. and God says to Hosea, "I know Gomer's unfaithful, but go back and and marry her again, buy her back,
0: literally, yeah, from slavery, redeem life. her, right, yeah, redeem right. her again. There it is,
1: yeah, right, and and so God and His faithfulness to this relationship, you would think." Why doesn't he just get rid of these human relationship partners and be done with it and give up on this whole enterprise? He says he's going to enter into a new relationship with his people. And you think, how can that be? Won't we just mess up any relationship that we enter mm-hmm. into with God? But in this mysterious, wonderful, divine chesed, he says, I want this relationship with being, human beings so much. I'm going to create a way where this relationship cannot be broken. I'm going to provide a human relationship partner who will always carry out the responsibilities of the relationship. Mm-hmm. I'm going to become flesh myself and do it myself so that all of us who put our faith in Jesus Christ have this human relationship representative standing there fulfilling the responsibilities of the mm-hmm. relationship on our behalf. Mm-hmm. And so this this chesed, this relational responsibility, fulfillment is carried out by God on both sides of the relationship. Mm. And so our relationship with God is now just as secure Mm. as his relationship with his son. And that's the good news. That's the gospel. Yes. yes. We can be confident. We we only need to doubt that our relationship with God could be broken if we can doubt that his relationship with his son can be broken. Mm. Because by faith in Jesus Christ, Christ's obedience applies for us in this divine human relationship Mm. so it's all over the old testament acted out communicated in amos god says the sovereign lord does nothing that's a pretty strong statement Mm. does nothing without revealing his plan through his servants the prophets Mm. and he reveals it in words he reveals reveals it visually uh, many times in the Old Testament, we hear the message is not just with those for those with ears to hear, but for those with eyes to see. That it can be a visual message acted out, which God is doing through His people on the pages of the Old Testament, mm. and we're invited to see the gospel there.
0: Let's go to a wonderful, wonderful book of prophecy. Mm. It's got narrative, story to it, mm-hmm. powerful stories in there. The book of Daniel right. is what right. I'm thinking about. In Daniel, we have all the children's stories that anyone who sure. grew up mm-hmm. going to, you know, some kind of church where the Bible stories, the flannel graph, I'm sure churches still use that. They're mm-hmm. going to have learned those stories. Daniel in right. the lion's den, right. you know, the the, the the fiery furnace. Somebody else shows up like in that fiery furnace and uh what's going on there tell us the story but then you know pull that apart a little for us
1: okay well first and this this is always what i insist on is necessary first is we have to understand what the book is about as a whole okay because we don't read books that way today we don't take chapter five of a novel and assume we can explain the whole novel by Mm. describing what happened in chapter five the author that there because somehow or other it contributed to the main Mm. storyline. And
0: and we should say also, some of our listeners may not know, chapters and verses were not part of the original text of Scripture. They were added centuries later just as a resource guide.
1: Right. So the trouble of taking Daniel in the lion's den or Daniel's friends in the fiery furnace as isolated stories and not tying it into the main theme of the book is that you can make them mean something that they never were intended to mean, that the right. author included these details because he wanted them to contribute to the main message
0: that he was communicating and, with the entire book. And in our looking at the scripture, it's not always wise. In fact, it's never wise to take a Bible story as just a moral lesson.
1: Right. Right. And and the same is true for the Bible as a whole. This is a little aside. but. I view the Bible as redemptive revelation, that it's not just divine revelation, it's certainly that, but it's divine redemptive revelation. Meaning it saves. This talks about God's relentless act of saving his human creations throughout history Mm -hmm. that culminates Mm -hmm. in Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. And so if all of the Bible is redemptive revelation and that redemption finds its focus in Jesus Christ, then all the Bible's about Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. So we start with that presupposition that the Bible is about Jesus Christ.
0: Now, back to <laughs> you know the main focus
1: of Daniel. Right, and it's very easily stated in one sentence, uh, and then I'll explain it. God asserts his authority over human kingdoms. And we see that because It certainly doesn't look that way at the beginning. Mm. Uh, Daniel is a young boy when the Babylonians uh, conquer Jerusalem and take away captives, and among them is little Daniel. And he's taken away to Babylon and forced to serve Nebuchadnezzar. So you wonder what Daniel's thinking. Yeah, uh, God is in control of human kingdoms, here I am in a foreign country, mine's just been conquered, and I'm forced not just to live here, but to serve the guy who conquered my country. I'm sure it didn't seem that way to Daniel, but he's faithful, he's trusting, God knows what he's doing, and uh, Daniel is forced to serve this guy, and he realizes that when he's told he can't pray or worship this god anymore, and he continues to do so, and he's thrown into the lion's den, and God saves him from that lion's den, Uh, even Darius, at that time the Persian king who had conquered the Babylonians is forced to acknowledge Daniel's God is greater than Mm -hmm. any God, Mm -hmm. and everyone must worship Daniel's God. Earlier, when Daniel's friends are thrown into the fiery furnace, Mm -hmm. well, here again, as I say in the book, the one who created the sun didn't think much of the one who created the furnace. Mm -hmm. That doesn't hold a candle, literally. (laughs) So God delivers these young men from the fiery furnace, and Nebuchadnezzar was forced to admit yes, Daniel's God is greater than our God. Uh, again, even in that circumstance, in a foreign country, uh, controlled and even serving a foreign king, these young men uh, demonstrate that the sovereign Lord is greater than any human authority. Hmm. Hmm. So that's what the book of Daniel is about in an unusual circumstance, uh, in another country where this is being demonstrated.
0: Right. The, the, the God's people are in exile, and the remnant right. gets to come back. And, and, of course, great prophetic themes are, are, are coming out all the way through. Let's go back to the story. What
1: we're told in the text is that Nebuchadnezzar and his minions with him see one like a son of man mm-hmm. in there with Daniel's friends. Now, in Hebrew, uh, the phrase son of means belonging to the category of. So when we're when you hear something like um, uh, son of righteousness, it means you belong to the category of righteousness. So you're righteous. If you hear son of God, uh, a title for Jesus, it means you belong to the category of God. You're a deity. You're, you're divine. And if you hear son of man, it means you belong to the human category. You're You're human. But they say we see one like A son of man. One like a human being in there with Mm -hmm. these other guys. So it's this divine manifestation in human form, a pre-incarnate visible manifestation of God in
0: human outline, like a son of man. You just said a mouthful. Yeah. And a very profound mouthful (laughs) at that point. This concept of God showing up in some kind of a human form goes all the way back to Genesis. I mean, it, in the garden. Mm-hmm. There was this pre-incarnate form of, 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 of God showing up, not broadly as Christ does today, but showing up with God's people one by one in individual instances all through the Old Testament.
1: God always makes his presence obvious to his people. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're told in the book of Hebrews right at the beginning God appeared to us in various ways at various times Mm -hmm. in the Old Testament, but in these last days, he has appeared to us most clearly in his Son, who is the exact representation of his being. So if God somehow manifested himself in the Old Testament, we have it wonderfully better now when we have the exact representation of his being in Jesus Christ. But going back to Daniel, God asserting his authority over human kingdoms. We see that fulfilled in Christ and we can go right to the well-known passage of the Great Commission where Jesus says, all authority in heaven and earth have been given to me.
0: Mm.
1: So this divine authority, the son of God and son of man, the one who is both human and divine, says all of this divine authority has been given to me, therefore go. And so we're sent not in our own authority, but in this one who has authority over every human kingdom. Mm. We go forward in his name, with his words, uh, with a divine power, a divine authority behind everything we say. Uh, and as Paul said, we've been made ambassadors, God's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us mm-hmm. in Second Corinthians chapter 5, around mm. verses 17 through 20. Yes. So we have the authority delegated to us by this all-powerful divine king and redelegated through his son to whom that authority was given and whose spirit we have indwelling us to go forth with this message. And that's the encouragement to believers. The same God who delivered Daniel's friends, who delivered Daniel from the lion's den, who asserted his and demonstrated his authority over Babylonian kings and Persian kings, Mm. the same God who demonstrated his authority and power over death itself by raising his son from the dead, that God sends us forward with his power to communicate his message.
0: Mm. Thank you. Let me throw a book out that we haven't talked about. Okay. I try to read it around every Christmas and have for a number of years, And I'm talking about Isaiah, Mm -hmm. the major prophet. Right. Um, I just read through Isaiah, and there's all those themes of of the wells, you know, and drinking from these wells and waters of salvation. Mm -hmm. Uh, How do I read Isaiah through the Jesus lens? Yeah. And again, what I I
1: try to do for these books is to say, how do all of these many, many details, and especially a book the size of Isaiah, Mm -hmm. how do they come together to form one coherent theme? Mm -hmm. And then how do we see that theme find its focus in Jesus Christ? And one of the main themes, the, the main theme of Isaiah is the Holy One of Israel. Uh, The Holy One of Israel is a title found almost exclusively in the book of Isaiah, I think about 26 times, and it's only found about six times outside of the book of Isaiah. Mm. So a very heavily concentrated theme, the Holy One of Israel. And in Isaiah, the Holy One of Israel challenges his people to respond appropriately to his presence among them. Yeah, so you have two reactions in the book of Isaiah to the presence of the Holy One of Israel. You have those who rebel against it, Mm -hmm. uh, against whom Isaiah speaks, and then you have those who respond appropriately, who are called servants. Mm -hmm. And this is, of course, the passages we read around Christmas and Advent, the, the servant passages. And so the main message is that God is challenging his people to be among the servants, those who respond appropriately to the presence of this Holy One of Israel among them. And of course, after the ages, we see this fulfilled ultimately in Jesus Christ, who is the presence of the Holy One among right. us. Yes. In fact, yes. his name, God with us, Emmanuel, mm-hmm. comes right out of shows Isaiah.
0: Isaiah. Right, yes. and
1: so you see this connection. And now, if ever we have the presence of the Holy One of Israel among us, It's right there in Jesus Christ. Wow. And And we're
0: told that in the New Testament. Right. This connection's
1: made for us.
0: Yes, yes. We don't have to extrapolate that. It's just declared. Which is great for people like me who can't think very creatively. (laughs) It's it's just stated very clearly. Let let, let me stop you, Michael, for just a moment here. Um, You're you're the Hebrew scholar and also Mm. a slew of other Semitic languages. Um, Emmanuel, Mm -hmm. just... Pull that apart a little bit for us. Emmanuel
1: is a, a Hebrew phrase. Um, the first part is im, which is the preposition with. Mm-hmm. And imanu means with us. Mm-hmm. And imanu el, el is short for Elohim, for God. So immanuel mm-hmm. in Hebrew means God with us. Mm-hmm. And so to call Jesus Emmanuel is is saying, this is the presence of God with us. This is Mm. God in the flesh right here among us. And of course, if the presence of the Holy One in Isaiah called for the response of either rebellion or servanthood, Mm. then how much does the presence of God in Jesus Christ do the same thing? Either respond by submitting to this presence of the Holy One of Israel Mm -hmm. or rebelling against it. And we see both of those reactions in the New Testament. Mm -hmm. And we're challenged today, uh, how are we going to respond to this presence of the Holy One of Israel with us? Mm. Those who are responding as servants get the blessings that come with this relationship. Those who respond as rebels get the judgment. But the beautiful thing in Jesus Christ, and this is, again, this amazing, relentless, divine grace, Mm. Jesus is the perfect servant Mm. standing for us and instead of getting the blessings of the perfect servant he takes upon himself the judgment of the perfect rebels mm-hmm. so you have this divine exchange so he takes the judgment of the rebels mm-hmm. so that those who are really the rebels can gain the blessing of this perfect servant
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh wonderful and and it yes all of a sudden so. the the servant passages of isaiah are they
0: just open up for you oh yeah the, 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 deep the curtain is enhancing. drawn aside yeah.
1: yes And now we can experience, we realize what it is Christ was doing then in in coming in the flesh and and paying the price for the rebels like us Mm -hmm. so that we could have this undeserved blessing of the servants like he was. Mm -hmm. And then through the spirit of Christ who comes to dwell within us, We're slowly transformed from rebels Mm -hmm, to servants mm -hmm. so we can engage and experience this rich human life that God intended for us to experience from the very creation.
0: Let me just get you to do one New Testament book. Let's test you here. You're an Old Testament scholar. All right. Uh, Little tiny letter. We don't think about, read so much. Right. Uh, Philemon. Mm -hmm. You want to take a stab at Philemon for us? Philemon gets his four
1: pages, too, in the book. Mm -hmm. And, yep, there's the gospel all over Philemon. For those who aren't familiar with the plot line there, Mm -hmm. um, Philemon was a slave owner who had a slave, Onesimus, who had become a Christian. And Onesimus had run away to the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul was in prison. And Paul writes a letter back to Onesimus' owner, Philemon, to ask Philemon to accept Onesimus back as a Christian brother, not as a slave, but mm. more as a Christian brother. Mm. And so the theme of the book is simply that God shows Philemon that Onesimus has become a Christian brother. Now we say the difficulty here is is on both sides. Onesimus was a fugitive slave, and the penalty for that in that could, culture could was death. death. yes. And Onesimus is going to go back to Philemon.
0: And if Philemon chose to, even though he has become a Christian, he's the master, he's the slave Mm -hmm. owner, Mm -hmm. he had the right to put Onesimus to death.
1: He did, according to that culture. Right. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. Onesimus is taking his life in his hands to go back and try to make amends here, to do what was right in -hmm. that culture. So it's a a hard row for... Onesimus to Ho there but Philemon also had pressure on him. You can imagine what his friends would say if he invited Onesimus back mm. and didn't kill him. You know, especially
0: you're... the non-Christian friends which he oh, would have right, had right. at the time. He would have been
1: would have been kicked out of the country club, uh, you know, his mm. membership revoked. Mm. Uh, there's all sorts of societal pressure to do this. Right. But Paul writes with with wonderful tact and care to remind Philemon that this new reality that both Philemon and Onesimus had entered into superseded the cultural pressures. Uh, They were going to have to do something that manifested this new reality that Onesimus and Philemon were now serving a new master. Mm -hmm. And you think, well, how could a slave owner and a slave be Christian brothers? And here is where we see the gospel, that the almighty God, creator of heaven and earth, descended, uh, deigned to become a human being Hmm. in Jesus Christ so that he could call us his brothers and sisters. Hmm. And if God himself can lower his status to such a degree that he can call us brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ, then how can any Christian Hmm. not call anyone else at any level of society, not call them a brother and sister? We're all Princes and princesses, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, children mm -hmm. of a divine king, any other societal continuum that we're forced to put each other on just seems to become petty after that. Mm. So it's an eye-opener to this new reality that's made possible in Jesus Christ.
0: And that certainly parallels today. Right. Uh, Reading scripture Mm -hmm. from then now into our lives our day today
1: right because our culture encourages all of us to place everyone else on a scale of value in the culture Mm -hmm. and the reality that we read in philemon is that all of us are placed in a position of inestimable value by god himself that he would allow his own son to die for us Mm -hmm. so we have no right to regard anyone as any less than that Mm. And this is the good news for people who are trapped in that that cultural valuation system that there is a different kind of humanity available mm. to them mm. through Jesus Christ because it's all about Jesus.
0: Michael Williams, you are a blessing to me and I know to many others. Thank you. You're welcome. You know, I I I believe some people are listening to our program today and I believe they're in need of a kinsman redeemer, mm-hmm. which of course is Jesus ultimately. Right. And they may know that. They may sense that. Would would you mind leading us in prayer? That no, those be great. people would find their kinsman redeemer.
1: Yeah, okay. let's pray together. Our Father, we do thank you for your relentless grace that you continue to show to us on the pages of your word, that we see acted out, demonstrated for us in the person of your Son Jesus Christ. That you make available to anyone who comes to you through faith in Christ. We ask that those who are experiencing, as I did, uh, an emptiness, a directionlessness, who are looking for something more, a different kind of human experience, would find that in Jesus Christ, in this life that you've provided. You say that you've sent your son so that we can have life and have it to the full. We pray that those who are looking for fullness, who recognize their emptiness, would come and drink the living water, come and eat the bread from heaven and enjoy the rich human experience that you desired for us from the very beginning. We pray that you would work your transformation in their hearts, open their eyes to the truth, help them to see that it's all about Jesus from the beginning and the end and everything in between we thank you that you are unfailingly gracious that you pursue us and never let us go and we pray that you would grab a hold of those who need to experience your saving power today we pray this in jesus name amen amen
0: Thanks for joining me on Great Stories with Charles Morris. I hope this conversation with my friend, Dr. Michael Williams, will inspire you to read the Bible through the Jesus lens. I also want to mention that this podcast is made possible by the generous supporters of Haven Ministries. And today is the final day of our fiscal year end. And if you like what you hear and want to support this life-giving ministry, Visit us at haventoday.org to learn more. And if you liked what you heard, can I also ask for you to leave a review? You can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, but you can also go to haventoday.org and sign up for our weekly email and discover other episodes posted on our blog. Thank you for joining me once again on Great Stories with Charles Morris.